What's up? Welcome to the Sight and Sound podcast. Uh, we are your hosts. I am Jesse, and we have Eric. And uh, yeah, so we are here today. It's prom season, as it were, end of May. Uh, usually, this is around prom season. So we're going to cover a couple prom movies. Um, in the first one, a non-horror movie to jump right into it. Um, so we've covered some non-horror movies, quite a few on this podcast. Uh, you know, we've covered action and stuff. We haven't really dived too deep on the eighties comedy stuff. And I think it's long overdue. Uh, I'm not sure if we've covered, have we covered much of anything else as far as outside of like action, sci-fi, horror, for uh, comedy? Have we really? Like, I mean, Lethal I Weapon, really... we did a Lethal Weapon commentary, but. I know we've talked about um, other, you know, other flicks, uh, but I don't think we've really like sunk our teeth into non-horror, non-action really, to be honest with you. Well, at least not that I can think of. Well, we're going to fucking today because we're covering a, a goddamn, uh, a ripened classic, as it were. 1985's uh, Just One of the Guys. Now, this is a film that I found at an early age, probably way too early. I mean, as is, as with anything, and, I, and it's funny hearing people when they say, like, you know, oh, I would never show my kids this movie or whatever like that. I think maybe my palate was a little more advanced and mature than I was because I enjoyed movies like this and I laughed at stuff when I was like eight years old. Cause I, I would assume I was probably like, I want to say like 96, 97, like somewhere in that frame uh, of seeing this and like thinking it was funny. Like then, even when I didn't get half the shit that I was like listening to or, or hearing and seeing on the movie. But yeah, this is something that I just, I latched onto as a young kid and like when it then, you know, rewatching it when I became 12, 13, 14 years old, it got funnier and funnier and it. And the, the legend for this movie grew for me. Uh, and I just, I just love it so much. And it's directed by a female, which I truly appreciate because we're going to get into some content about the film. And I think, <laughs> I think we're going to be able to lessen the blow for people that, may not be able to handle some of the the raunchy and it, this isn't even that, that raunchy but like some of the content that in 2022 maybe it would be eyebrow raising or anything like that but you always have to remember especially in the 80s these movies are one a product of the time and right and, but also you need to we can't just if something makes us feel maybe a little uncomfortable be it dialogue or even just how they went about things. You can't cover it up. It's how it is. And honestly, I think and we're, we're going to get into how I think this movie is actually groundbreaking, but you know, we get a female director and Lisa, Lisa Gottlieb. Um, we get Clayton Royner, who's uh, in, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff, but mainly for us horror fans, we know him as his uh, role in April fool's day. Correct. And uh, Joyce Heiser, who I'm really not too familiar with a lot of stuff she's done outside of here. I know she's done like a bunch. I know she was in the Flash show 
for a couple episodes back in the day in the 90s one. I think she did an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. But and I know she was in Spinal Tap. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. But just one of the guys is like what I know her from and what I revere her from. But when did you discover just one of the guys? It had to have been probably the the 90s at some point, I would imagine. Right, Eric? Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely like, you know, right around the same time as you had imagined, you know, like I was probably around 10 or 11 or something like that. So, you know, me and my brother and my father uh, we will always watch a lot of movies and, you know, I don't necessarily remember the first time I saw this movie, but, um, I know, I remember watching it countless times. There was, there's certain movies in, in whatever genre or whatever that I, I just revered. And this is one of them. I know that, you know, we are all big fans of, of eighties, eighties movies. And, and then you have like your kind of Mount Rushmore of your, you know, your John Hughes movies, but yeah. there was a, there's a handful of movies that I'm, I was always obsessed with that were kind of, I don't want to say they were just little, they were outside of that. Like, you know, the really the top Hughes, dog. Yeah. The Hughes universe. Like they were the, they were exactly. The, yeah. They, for, exactly. for, to tie into our pre-recorded conversation, they were these movies are the Eve sixes to the Blink 182s. <laughs> For sure, they complement each other, but they're different and they have almost so the, uh, you know uh, just a different vibe, and, and they're not as revered, I guess. And I think it's only because not as many people has have seen them as they've seen you know seen Pretty in Pink or seen right the, the Breakfast Club. But yeah, this is one of those movies uh, watched countless times, and. Um, Speaking of uh, Joyce Heiser there, I, I, you know, just when we were talking about doing this, um, obviously we, I rewatched it, but I've seen it so much. And I kind of just looked at some of the interesting, you know, any facts I could find about the film. And I saw that this was only her only leading role was this movie, which, you know, makes sense. I know we, we have a pretty good knowledge of film. I don't, I, I don't remember seeing her in anything else, really. It looks like she did a lot of television. And another thing I found was pretty funny is she was apparently dating Bruce Springsteen. Uh, around this time, which I thought was pretty cool. Big yeah. Bruce guy. So we did Bruce, not know that. Yeah, we get a Bruce Springsteen poster, obviously, in a room. Yeah, and, and that was kind of like something that they touched on. That the, you see the poster, and apparently they were dating, which, again, was never on my radar. I thought that was kind of cool. So, But, yeah, I mean, right around that time, like I said, me and my brother, who's been on the show a lot, and my father, that was kind of one of our bonding things. We'd always just kind of sit around and and uh, watch a movie or or something on television. And, and this was a movie that we definitely, definitely watched. So. Yeah. I was same thing. Like I remember like just some of the lines, my old man would laugh at movies like this and Porky's and stuff. So that's fun to think back at too. Um, it's uh, For sure. uh, an 85 movies. So we're dead nuts center in the middle of the eighties. This comes out in, in April, April 26, 1985. It, uh, it opening weekend, we got a uh, 3.3 million. It's gross was 11 million and uh 11.5 million and some change um yeah. so i mean for the time i think that was i, I don't see a budget on here but it, it, it's interesting so something i love about this and i remember seeing the 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 name back in the day you know in my teenage years and i was like fuck this is pre you know internet imdb we're talking like maybe like 2000 2001 and i see the jeff franklin name and jeff franklin should ring a lot of bells for people who were uh children of the 90s because jeff franklin helped write the screenplay along with uh dennis feldman but jeff franklin is the notorious jeff franklin of full house fame who executive produced the entire series as well as fuller house uh and oh, that's really cool 
Yeah, and he was an associate producer on Summer School, another 80s classic. Love Stinks with fucking French Stewart, which I know we both talked about. <laughs> a deep cut, for sure. For a deep cut. But Jeff Franklin, a fucking... Everyone remembers the the the, the piss yellow Jeff Franklin uh, text at the boo-da-ba-da-da in, <laughs> in uh, Full House as they're sitting on the fucking San Fernando or San Francisco Hill. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was awesome. Like, I mean... When you got the entire, you're an executive producer for the entire Full House series, and you got just one of the guys under your belt as a screenplay credit, you're sitting, you're sitting on, uh, you're sitting on some sacred, uh, some sacred material in my. Oh yeah, you're just, you're already, you're a king for sure. Uh, but we got uh so I mean, without any further ado, we'll fucking kind of bump in and. We'll dive into the movie and uh, kind of weave in and out and just discuss uh, everything about the movie. The movie opens up in classic 80s fashion, uh, doing a, a head to toe of Joyce Heiser playing the role of Terry Griffith on her bed, waking up for school in the morning. I mean, is there this was kind of like the quintessential 80s like thing is like the even guys like not even limited to girls, but like. Uh, you know, teenager in their bedroom waking up for school. It's very like of the time, but this is also I feel like a scene that kind of like nails like the the high school experience of like waking up. Probably, you know, you and I probably had uh, not as nice uh, <laughs> boobs as Joyce Hauser. Uh, Joyce no. Hauser, uh, albeit we did have some boobs, but um, for sure, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, a quintessential 80s shot, we get, you know, this, uh, what the fuck's the band? Is it Calamar that it's called? Like, where they got this uh, Boys Got Something, Girls Ain't Got song? Yeah, just... no idea. The, there is, like, a code or an equation for a lot of these movies, though, and, and there's certain scenes that have to happen. And I think that oh. the getting ready for either school or, like, a party slash dance is one of those. It definitely is in the, it's in the checklist for sure. Oh, yeah. So we get a feel for Terry um, getting ready. You know, she's going to Edwina Pearl High School and uh, we see her rolling up in a a pretty nice car. You can get you already get the feel that she's one of the popular kids. Um, And then we get, uh, you know, her talking to her, you know, uh, well, I guess the first thing, of course, is the whole movie is based on. Terry, the character Joyce Heiser plays, Terry Griffith, taking her uh, article because she wants to be a reporter about school. And she's writing an article that's submitted between two rival schools, Edwina Pearl, where she goes, and Sturgis Wilder, the arch rival school. So they submit their articles to whatever local tribune. um, and, you know, the, the the selected ones from each high school go to compete or whatever. They're one of the selected ones. Uh, and she gets kind of a wake up call when her professor tells her that this her article isn't badly written. It's pretty boring, though. And you need something that captures the reader <laughs> and her her take on the the nutritional value of food at the school isn't doing it. And she has, uh, we also have another horror credit besides Clayton Reiner, who we're going to get to, but we have the one, the only Tony Hudson of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which we covered and had Kate Hodge on the podcast, 
uh in this in this film as as the the best friend denise yeah so we're hitting like i said we're hitting everything got the got the funny best friend um bleeding bleeding 1985 at the moment oh big time and uh and we also have some more horror uh related folks and we're going to get to those here uh shortly but uh this scene where she is talking to where terry is talking to her friend denise in the like i don't know it's like the saved by the bells ver or the just one of the guys version of the max you know the, the local burger joint with some greasy <laughs> fries you know teenagers are just going there to hang out and she's pretty much talking to him about talking to her about like you know all this shit like this is one of my favorite scenes i can't remember where it is in succession of the movie but uh i do like uh i can't remember was this scene first or was the scene where was it the scene when um when terry and her were in the lab and and denise is telling her about all that scene was first right yeah this lab scene is first i believe yep which is uh interesting because jeff franklin writes this screenplay right and denise drops a last name of gibbler so so jeff franklin definitely she's i think his name's roger gibbler or something like that denise is rattling off some names of guys that want to bring her to the prom and they don't have cool enough cars and one of them's got a fucking bike but um (laughs) the gibbler name drops so the gibbler thing has got to be like one of jeff franklin's boys or something uh, because it, it makes its way into just one of the guys uh, two years prior to the full house beginning where we get Kimmy Gibbler, the annoying neighbor. Yeah, it's cool when you see stuff like that happen too, the like intertwining of uh, a writer or a director's works like that. It is pretty cool. Yeah, big time. And uh, that that a funny scene, obviously, where we get like the the kid that looks like he's touching the electrifying globe in Detroit Rock City with his hair all fucking wild. I mean, <laughs> like... Uh, and uh you know we, you could see even the little microcosms of uh nerds and popular people just just peripherally in edwina pearl before we get to sturgis wilder and we even dive into anybody outside of terry and denise um and she was the neck and then i think whenever it was i'm just gonna instead of trying to go through the entire movie i I just want to talk about like scenes that i thought were funny we'll try to do it in order but yeah for sure the scene where they're in the fucking the like burger joint or whatever and her brother comes in the in my eyes the show stealer (laughs) of the movie billy jane playing terry's brother buddy buddy yeah buddy throughout the entire flick is just like the like the greatest perverted hilarious like dickhead of a brother i mean he he really he really steals the show like you said he kind of kills the scene the kills the character and it's so funny i mean i think it's it's you know it's hilarious the shit he says is hilarious so yeah he was billed as uh billy jacoby he was in uh cujo as a small role uh nightmares he did an episode of tales from the dark side. And like, I think he did, like he did a bunch of like TV stuff, but the Billy Jacoby name, I think his brother, if I'm not mistaken, I think his brother was an actor too. Hmm. And I want to say, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm way off on this, but for some reason I thought that the kid 
the kid who played uh, the annoying, I can't think of the kid's name, the actor's name right now. And I'm going to do some research, but I thought his brother was in Tremors as the, like, the kid. I know, I could picture, I obviously know that kid, but I, I don't, it is. I don't know if that's what, it, is that it, his brother really? It that's is, awesome. Bobby Jacoby. That's so awesome. I just, I knew that they looked, I knew that they looked alike. Um, and I thought I remembered that because uh, I, I think at one point I got him confused and thought that like that kid was in just one of the guys. But yes, his brother plays. Uh, I don't know what his name. What was his name? Melvin. Melvin. The, Bro, the, the kid Yeah, they actually I mean, again, like something I didn't even have on my radar, but they actually do look extremely similar. Yeah. Yeah. So. The tie, the horror tie ins. This is what we're this is what's fun about <laughs> yeah, doing a is- horror movie is getting all the horror tie ins. But yeah, he, for sure. To what you were saying, maybe the greatest perverted younger brother in all. <laughs> and it's like you were talking earlier, like, you know, like time for like, you know, when it came out, time frame, like uh, the 80s and the 90s were uh, even in the late 90s into the early 2000s, like the raunchy comedy kind of was was king. And, and oh, yeah, he was he was at the top of that in this film, for sure. Oh yeah, they he nailed it. Just the the shit that he says when they're at that fucking at the diner or whatever it is <laughs> the the mat the shape of the bell max ripoff thing. Yeah, when he literally the shit he was saying <laughs> when he's like, "I've had plenty of sex, but now I'd like to try it with a partner." <laughs> yeah, his one liners, the writing for him was 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 spot on. But I I also think you know, not to, you know, it wasn't an Oscar, but I'm saying like, you could t- like his character, like the, the actor himself, definitely like he embraced some role. of that stuff. Yeah. Embraced it and pushed some of that stuff uh, to a, to a higher level. And what it, <laughs> and he goes, my favorite line is, and I've, I've said this as like a joke before. I probably have said it at one point to like someone like Drew or something as a joke. Right. Uh, the, uh, when he's like i'm at the peak of my sexual powers and then he's like he's like i have to get jammy i don't know what i have to get jammy means. yeah really the writing is like i said the writing hilarious for him like what he, he dropped when she's like aren't you a little embarrassed he's like nope i'm horny and horny kicks embarrassed every time. <laughs> just like yeah a legendary pervert it really, it really, I mean, a cinematic legendary, especially for the 80s. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Dresses, dresses like khaki had, back with the cutoff flannels, too. <laughs> he had shades of like a, a Bud Bundy style character. Oh, right? yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, kind that. of exactly what he was. Just like the perverted old, younger brother, just kind of <laughs> <laughs> always around, dropping one-liners, trying to hit on your friends. That's just, really what. just fucking great. So she goes home or, or you know... At some point, they're they're back at the house and they're eating. Uh, or no, they're not eating pizza yet. We'll get to that because cold pizza is a great topic of conversation in any film. But uh, we see Buddy's room and uh, he's like uh, he's getting ready to remodel it. But she's pretty much uh, Terry's pretty much complaining because her article wasn't getting in. And she said, you know, I think it's because I. I'm a female. If I was a guy and I turned that article in at Sturgis Wilder, it would probably get in. So uh, her, you know, she pretty much this idea comes to her right, right then when she's thinking out loud with, uh, with buddy. And 
she's like, I could do it. I could pass as a guy. And he's, you know, he's pretty much saying like, yeah, right. I'd like to see a try. Right. So uh, <laughs> she walks into him redecorating his room. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But we we meet Terry's boyfriend. This is after the aftermath of this. We meet Terry's boyfriend. Terry's like poolside kind of wallowing in her sorrows. But then we get the the ultimate fucking dickhead like uh, what what do you call the guys that wear the it like the col- the the sweaters the cardigan sweaters tied up top of their yeah I mean definitely I don't know like a prep preppy type dude or, or what do you yeah mean? like a like a preppy college guy yeah and just like it's just trying to take her bra off at the pool to console her and, and it's pretty <laughs> much just telling her you know oh well you know you could you don't have to be a reporter you could you got a hell of a body you could be a model so right. I think this this is what you know if there's any complaints about this movie being like sexist at all um or anything like that i think it's totally countered with and i think people get lost in the narrative of trying to push maybe that where they lose the fact that terry actually stands up to her boyfriend teachers everyone and right says, just because i'm good looking or you think i'm good looking doesn't mean i can only be a model i want to be a reporter and i think that like uh I think as soon as you get some raunchiness, like some people won't allow the movie to run the course that it's running because they'll snub it off at the at the foot and just be like, nope, this is what it is. It's a raunchy comedy exploiting women. When I think right, this, get most, like, pro, this is the most pro raunchy 80s woman movie I could think of, honestly. Well, yeah, I mean, you have a female lead and you also have her as, you know, she's trying to do great things and 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 trying to kind of bridge the the gender gap or whatever you want to say yeah. like and i I'll, think i'll, I'll be on it's, a smaller scale at the high schools but that's where you start but yeah for sure i mean and, and she feels like she's not being treated properly because she's female so she makes a move and be you know becomes male i guess you would say like um to get somewhere and i don't know i mean I, and that, it, it kind of goes full circle so i i would agree that fully it's kind of a, it's um, it's a positive story uh, about about females. You know what I mean about uh, being a strong female. So you get you get everything. You get for the perverts like us, we get Buddy. For the females, <laughs> they get Terry, and for BT, he gets uh, Harold uh, Reptile Sherbaco. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does. The funny thing about the boyfriend. That's another thing too. Is like, I feel like. Uh, in so many of these movies, these uh, female leads or whoever or the girl of interest is always dating a dude who's like three years older in college or something. Yeah. It's like always happening. Like, I feel like when I was in high school, like just like these guys are pulling up in like sh- like suit jackets and shit, like sport <laughs> coats, picking up. And I'm like, what is going on? It's like every movie. It's like the, the guy's like two or three years older. He's in college and she's like a junior in high school. I mean, and Chris, that's another Chris from. Adventures in Babysitting, same gimmick. Same gimmick, exactly. Um, um, it's it's uh, yeah, it's the perfect form. It's the form eighties formula for high school drama for sure. Phoebe Cates and uh, Fast Times, Speeds, dating yeah. older guy, you know, more mature. And uh, so, you know, post pool, Terry's kind of in her lounge clothes, and then she walks into Buddy's room because she pretty much like got the rundown by her professor saying like, you don't have to be a writer. You're not that great at it. You go be something else. And then gets it from her boyfriend too. And walks into buddy redecorating his room 
with a bunch of hustler and playboys. And Terry, one buddy has an awesome room because I see a journey sticker on the wall. There's a U2 poster. There's a big Van Halen poster. Um, but he's redecorating his room with nudie photos, and she drops a great line. She's like, "Your room is exactly why everything that's wrong with my life right now." <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, we, he's like. He's like the good and and bad devil on her, like the good angel and the bad devil on her shoulder for sure. Yeah, right and under I, her roof. I love it that he's just like he's like that's not true. These women have personality, and he's just like Kim reads Vonnegut. And Luann, <laughs> Luann despises toxic waste. Um, and uh, there's yeah, there's just so much uh, funny shit, and then the hypothesis happens, or you know the. The thinking out loud, it, it all mad scientistically comes together where she's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to Sturgis Wilder and, and do it as a guy. And Buddy, you know, pretty much likes like, yeah, right. right. So she goes down and gets all Ralph Macchio'd up. Yeah. That's her, you know, the thing. Her, she looks like Ralph. It cuts her hair. And and she does, she, you know, she's your sister home, come, goes down and Buddy opens the door and then Buddy then realizes it's her. And then we get, I mean, it's just, it's just great scene after great scene after great scene with or without Buddy, but mainly with Buddy. Cause then, then Buddy shows her how to walk like a man, which is fucking <laughs> great. Say hey, baby, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, uh, those, I think that's, that's like a, one of my favorite scenes too is when he's like trying to show her how to how to be a man so to speak <laughs> we get, i say this i say this line to bridget all the time the all balls itch it's a fact <laughs> true first there's your basic shift <laughs> just like uh, amazing lines buddy's pretty much showing her how to itch her non-existent balls yeah and uh yeah it's it's great and then we get you know terry's at sturgis wilder in like a blue and black letterman jacket you know trying to look as as male as possible i thought they did the transformation pretty well with this like even though it was he looked it was subtle but if you look at the scenes where she's you know because i I read also that she she cut her hair for the film obviously and like the early scenes uh she's actually wearing a wig which i didn't realize but um, the transformation she makes is uh, that they do with like makeup, even though it's not like a tremendous amount, but I know she was wearing like some stuff underneath her clothes and such, but yeah, pretty solid transformation, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, she's someone that I think uh, bridged that gap well, where she looked and was convincing enough for a guy, but then you know, when you realize it's Joyce Heiser too, you could definitely see the female. And I mean, this is, I mean, call me crazy, like. This is maybe the first time where we're getting the uh, a trans vibe in a film where it wasn't being completely mocked. It was more right, like not just pure pure comedy, like a like right. a sketch show or or I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, my film knowledge. I don't. I'm sure that a female is dressed as a, in a male in some sort of movie or show before that, but you know i feel like there was a whole spark of as far as mainstream comedy is yeah yeah for sure i mean what's i mean haim did a movie after this right uh just one of the girls girls yeah i mean i don't know if it had anything to do with with you know spark like from this but yeah it it was a sequel it was supposed to be a sequel yeah sequel yeah 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 so obviously this sparked uh a little something and there's some movies that are 
more current that kind of are the same premise. So, oh yeah, big time. In this, um, you know, we get her at Sturgis Wilder showing up. Uh, also, this may have been the this is the easiest way to just enroll into a school. Be like, yeah, I'm coming over. Coming over. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, yeah. One of the many loopholes in films. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just coming here. Just rolling yeah, in. Like, you know, I'm here. Um, and we get the almighty Billy Zabka as Greg Tolan. I read somewhere where this film was one of the. It was the trilogy, the William Zabka bully trilogy, or something like that. <laughs> With this, obviously, Karate Kid and Back to School. I mean, three landmark films of of 84, 85, and 86, all three three years in a row. And we can't, 100%. also can't forget him as Audrey's boyfriend in European Vacation, too. European Vacation, for another, sure. Di- another dickhead role. <laughs> yeah, kind of the silent dickhead, yes. He doesn't really have many lines in that. But Zapka's obviously, I'm sure someone's heard us mention Zapka before. We all love Zapka. He's the man. And this is one of his cooler... I mean, obviously, Johnny Lawrence is legendary, but his character in this is, is hilariously awesome and, and a dickhead. With the, I'm sure we'll touch on it more, but like his gimmick of what he does to uh, to people and the gloves, all that stuff, hilarious. So that's this is definitely the first movie I saw Billy Zabka in because I definitely didn't see Karate Kid. I knew Karate Kid existed. And I definitely knew like a back to school and stuff like that. But like, I didn't really absorb those movies probably until like a few years after I found this one. So my first introduction to Billy Zabka was definitely this. Um, and then you were hooked. Yeah, you were I mean, hooked. as a blonde, as a fellow blonde dickhead, I, you know, there's a kinship. <laughs> um, as Brian would say, two blonde dickheads. <laughs> um. But uh, he get he immediately introduces himself to Terry as Terry tries to laugh at him uh, wedging some kid, and uh, immediately Billy Zabka's ter- character Greg Tolan grabs Terry and throws her into the pricker bush, um, calls it the pussy toss, and of course has the gloves on. Now quintessential eighties. He's got like a uh, you know high waisted uh, light blue blue jeans, pretty much up to his tits. Um, he's got dirty white weightlifting gloves on that he does the pussy toss with. Um, and yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, your quintessential eighties bully. I mean, Zabka is the quintessential eighties bully. Let's like, let's not kid that. But, and, uh, she gets introduced to Clayton Reiner's character of Rick, Rick Morehouse. And you kind of see that Rick's kind of a loner outsider immediately, and pretty much from there, you get a feel for the school. You see, like, the two – you see pretty much, like, Brian and another freak from Table 9 fucking in the Star Trek things. Where they, these kids, the two kids, those two kids fucking kill me because they speak a different alien language to each other. They're obsessed with Star Trek. They sit next to each other. And they yeah. have lines, like, in the class where – it's pretty much Terry, like, being – it, them going through, like, all the people in the high school to – let the audience see like the dichotomy of like people there in the class system of we got Harold reptile Sherbico who brings this fucking lizard to the gym and has like, you know, has a fucking snake around his neck. And he also that actor, the redheaded dude who plays Sherbico was in Friday 13th part two. 
Yeah, I feel like he's been he's in a lot of stuff been, probably that we didn't even think about, but and Greg Tolan has uh a girlfriend named Deborah Strobridge. Now Deborah Strobridge is Deborah Goodrich, who was also in April Fool's Day Ooh. as Nikki. A real prim looking stargazer, if I might add. That she is. So we got two uh, you know, the next year they're in they're in uh, April Fool's Day together. So I'd imagine this may have um, this may have been what kind of linked them. I would assume maybe it was a casting director or something. We'll have to look that up at a later date. But yes, two April Fool's Day members uh, here. So I mean, we got horror tie-ins up the yin yang. Uh, Sherilyn Fenn is in it as Sandy, who is. Uh, a girl at Sturgis Wilder who is interested in Terry immediately thinks he looks like Ralph Macchio, obviously immediately throwing in the crowdy kid tie in and doing like a, a metaverse type gimmick with uh, obviously Zabka in this thing. Right. Um, we get the Star Trek guys that are just <laughs> speaking their own fucking language to each other and have a, amazing one liners. But the redheaded dude who is in Friday part two is uh, Stuart uh, Charno. And he was in Star Trek. He was in Christine. As we know, of course, we've covered Christine on the show. But uh, amazing. The bowling te- the, the teacher, the gym teacher, um, is uh, just obsessed with bowling, which I find is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Not far off from something we find at our hometown school, no. probably. Yeah, there's nothing that says physical education like your gym teacher being, a, you know, a washed up ex-amateur bowler. <sighs> Truth. Just looking like uh just looking like a younger fucking uh who's the dude from Shark Tank? Why am I blanking on his name? Mr. Wonder, Mr. Wonderful. Um but yeah, so I mean Terry then you know pretty much gets right business and and submits this paper to the professor at um the professor at Sturgis or yeah, Sturgis Wilder. It pretty much tells her the same thing. Like, this isn't like it's not that you don't write good. It's just not intriguing. You don't really grab the the reader or anything like that. So then she her plan <laughs> like foiled on the spot, like right there. Right for sure. It's it's uh, and she sticks it out because she is you know since you know formed a friendship with Rick, who is obsessed with James Brown. Uh, and Rick's a super likable character, like a kid that he isn't necessarily the bullied. He just kind of is a loner and stays to himself because he knows he could be a target for being bullied. Yeah, for sure. He has, he carries a coolness about him, kind of that like lone wolf type of thing. I agree. And uh, yeah, it's just getting the, maybe it was the eighties. Because I, I definitely have asked my my uh, older sister as she was 13 years older than me. So she she experienced some high school years in the 80s, um, graduated in 93. So she spoke. She definitely spoke. I remember asking her years ago about like what, you know, was it really like was it really like classistic like that? And that is a word. But, you know, like, was there really like and she said, yeah, right. she's like, I mean, she, I mean, she pretty much said what we thought too, like. I'm sure some schools were probably worse, but you know, our school we had, and you know too, because you, you have older uh, relatives who were, you know, went to your. I know your cousin Tim. I think was a little older than Lisa, but 
you know, they had, we had volleyball play. We had the volleyball players. We had the wrestlers wrestling and volleyball were huge in our school. Like those are probably the, the two big ones, even though, you know, of course football is, you know, important and stuff like that. But like our school was known mainly for volleyball and wrestling. For sure. For sure. But it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to like, think back being out of high school for so many years now and think back to like, you know, the groups, the clicks and things like that. And is that something you got to think like, is this something that's still, I mean, I'm sure they do. And it seems to the internet, like, obviously there's uh, there's different breeds of bullying, but I think this movie addresses bullying in like a way that I, we wish it could be resolved today where right. you know, the, the bully gets his in the end. Uh, and, you know, for the most part, like people, it seemed like in the eighties, people, people, uh, feared the bully more than like loved him or you know fake loved him uh you know because everyone obviously we see greg tolan get his eventually rick ends up you know terry for all intents and purposes gives rick this confidence as she's hanging out with them because they're she they're, she's pretty much living her high school experience as a guy and befriends rick and right kind of through him out. too yeah. yeah and so rick's dressing better you know Rick's going to ask out Deborah, who is like, he wants to ask out Deborah to the prom and Terry's trying to find Rick a date to the prom. Sherilyn Fenn, obviously of Twin Peaks and a million different other things is in this. Yeah. Sandy. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, it's a like, growing story and it's, were you ever confused as to why Terry just stayed in, like just tried to finish it out there? Like, she obviously ha- started having a thing for Rick, but Rick believes her to be a male Terry when she's actually right. Yeah, I don't know to be honest with you. I mean, it's a, it's, it's kind of confusing that part of the storyline, but yeah, yeah. She uh, so she she guts it out um, because she has interest in Rick, and they pretty much you know you see the growing tensions between Greg Toll and the bully and uh, you just get like uh, you get endeared to Rick more and more because you see Rick's actually a good guy and Terry helps him come out of his shell. You know, he becomes right. no longer a loner and is kind of like standing on his own two feet, stands up to Greg one day when Greg's uh, in case you haven't seen the movie to, to dive in a little more deeper in detail, Greg's someone who lifts up benches and dumps the nerds on their asses off the benches. He dumps their food. The janitor oh, yeah. pissed the entire time. <laughs> so one day, you know, uh, Rick pretty much says this shit's got to stop. And just like pretty much like cuts a promo on him and does like a letterman bit on him and talks about talking about like, why does he dump food? Were you a messy baby? You got a small wiener in the, was it the small wiener or lack of IQ? Yeah, uh, right in front of everyone. Making a big announcement. Oh, yeah. So we get all that, and that's what's, you know, that's the turning point of the movie where Rick Rick then is, you know, about ready to get beat up, and Deborah, Greg's girlfriend, is just sick of it and ends up accepting Rick's offer to go to prom. So, and you could see Terry like kind of, you know, not thrilled about it because she knows Deborah's kind of like a, uh, whatever, a, a ditz kind of, and just is kind of going with the flow and she is the popular kid and, and Terry is in a predicament cause she likes Rick, but 
is still known to Rick to be a, a, a guy. But right. that whole uh, the the movie culminates in the prom pretty much, and it, it culminates in the prom, which is you know it's a lot of people's climax to to life of their teenagers is the prom. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd say like in your, a lot of people in school, yeah, that's like one of the, one of the peak peak uh, events for sure. And then it's the culmination of this whole movie. So. Yeah. And a lot of movies love, I mean, there's so many movies that just, they put it all on the prom because when you're six or 17, 18 years old, the prom is pretty much it for someone who is, uh, you know, lived their entire life thinking high school is the end all be all, but there's, uh, you know, there's an interesting, I think there's a lot of different themes and lessons in this movie, but I think the coolest thing is just how it's interesting that Terry does stick it out because Terry ends up, I think kind of, I don't know, changing the way people think without even them realizing it at first, like just, yeah, there's some, some big under like undertones in this, in this film about, um, you know, sticking up for yourself and, and having confidence. And, and I think it's not just Terry's character. Like you said, it's, it's kind of, it gets yeah, kind of pushed exactly. along to everyone. And then I think even like uh, Zapka's character, don't be such a dick. You know what I mean? So I think it's like one of those things where Terry comes in, in this kind of weird situation of pretending she's a man and being friends with somebody with people and, and portraying herself in a certain way. Cause she has a goal, but she's also like, rubbing off and like affecting everyone else in like a positive way. And I think like, like you said, like sticking up for yourself or having confidence, asking somebody out, uh, sticking up uh, uh, and going against the bully. And I think uh, that's kind of like, and, and then Terry herself, like getting her goal, you know what I mean? Reaching her goal. And it's kind of, that's really the, the main focus of the film to be, I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of, there's a lot of shit happening, but, uh, that's kind of like the main undertone of everything. And yeah. it's so. So the, the movie was filmed in Scottsdale in Phoenix, Arizona, mainly all like Terry and buddy's house was in Phoenix. Uh, the, I think the, the high school was Scottsdale high school. Um, and they did, uh, you know, one scene on, in, you know, on like the Sony pictures lot or something like that, but it was all filmed in Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, interestingly enough, Joyce Heiser actually called in to busted open Sirius XM wrestling radio show in 2020 during the pandemic for the 35th anniversary of this film, because Dave LaGreca, the host was such a big fan and Joyce. Really? Heiser spoke about the i don't know if we ever had this conversation i told you about this yeah uh but yeah like uh she called into the show and dave pretty much like gushed about like what you know how much he liked the film and they talked about like the film we talked about how it was so hot um filming there where they filmed it and just the legacy of the film and how much like you know the fandom of it um and i thought that was really random especially because it's a wrestling show but Joyce yeah, Heiser, super random. Yeah, to, Joyce Heiser called it the busted open. That's awesome. I mean, she, you know, the the that character, like I said, that being her only kind of leading role. I thought she did a, a great job. Like if 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 you didn't know and you watched that movie, I mean, I think you would think that she was a big star around that time. Oh, yeah, so she had the she had the look, the character kind of 
fluctuated into some different tones of, you know, obviously playing a man, then playing, you know, not that she, you knew she was a female the whole time, but that's really awesome. I didn't, I don't know if you told me that if you did, I definitely forgot about that. That's really cool that she, she called in. Yeah. It's uh, you know, that's, what's interesting about this film is, is it's, I think it's fandom is very underground and cultish, I think. Right. Uh, but it is such a fucking fun film. And like I said, because we're dead nuts in the eighties, get the Bruce Springsteen poster on Terry's wall, like, which is funny because it's literally, I mean, that's ob- arguably like Bruce's biggest era too, was, you know, the born in the USA record was so fucking huge for him. He was obviously huge before that, but like, that was like uh, a yeah, higher commercially. popular, you know, poppier side of Bruce too, that got pushed into the mainstream big time. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, it's like kind of I talked about this film in my eyes, there's obviously we know there's a lot of genre in film, but in the eighties, like I know we love horror, we love action, we love comedy. Um, not that I would call this like a raunchy comedy, but there's when it comes to just pure comedy, there is a whole list of films that I feel like need to be seen that are maybe like a little bit outside of the norm of what people would normally say. Like I said, that John Hughes uh, flex, but this is one of them. And I think, um it's like we talked about with the with the undertones and 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 the meaning of the film it, it's it's a kind of a classic and i know that no, really we talked is. about how much it made but uh i know that reading about it too like when kind of uh vhs rentals got big and that kind of stuff like the movie found like uh you know a, a little bit more success as well like people kind of discovering it so uh and i think i think it's like a, it's a quintessential 80s comedy that if anybody's a fan of that needs to see for sure i mean it's my top it's top five for non-horror 80s for sure i mean i probably only put as far as like like raunchy like funny you know 80s comedies i might put it second to only fast times yeah i mean that's and like i said i think in my eyes like fast times another one like so revered which uh, uh, all-star cast anybody sure. that's, anybody that's doing this uh august is the is the uh the 40th anniversary of fast times we're gonna cover it a little bit sooner than that um we're gonna cover fast times at the end of june for a legacy week and we're doing a whole you know two or three episodes on fast times of richmond high so if you're listening to this episode you got a little sneak peek that we're doing legacy week for fast times yeah that's gonna be a lot of fun so definitely tune into that um the scenes like you know just to kind of buff up some other stuff before we talk about the the culmination ending scene at the outdoor prom but uh the shit with buddy though in this film is fucking it slays me when he's dancing with the robot because he knows that his the girl he's studying with is coming over tonight and he's singing the i want a lover with a slow head and he's just dancing with a robe and the fucking corn cob pipe in his box <laughs> I like what they leave with that character because you kind of you see how he is because I mean that's another another main part of this film is maybe someone asks well where are her parents parents are not around yeah. obviously they're yeah. like what like on va- I can't even remember where they are actually. they're on like sabbatical in some fucking like foreign country in Europe yeah so I just love yeah his character how outrageous he is but then you think like is he like that when the parents are around uh, his room, obviously, uh, we saw how his room was decorated. I don't know. Was that something that would fly to? But yeah, the way he carries himself throughout the entire move, movie, uh, these scenes that you're talking about when he knows that some, uh, the girl's coming over are just slay me. They're so hilarious. 
And uh, when she does come over and uh, Terry is out at the fucking out like uh, with Sandy at the, yeah. like, you know, the point or whatever, and they're drinking and, and Sandy has her 14 year old cousin go there as Rick's date and like just like awkward for Rick and Rick's just like, so Terry gets drunk there trying to avoid Sandy finds like, you know, a big sock uh, bulge tube socks and Terry's crotch, you know, trying to uh, make it look like she's uh, she's packing some some serious dead heat. But, uh, you know, it's her. She isn't foiled there. She just thinks, you know, Sandy just thinks that Terry's trying to impress her. Yeah. But, but she is obviously out for there. And Kevin, Terry's boyfriend, is at the house, like pretty much supervising Buddy and this girl and Buddy not to, you know, go full buck wild on this girl. And I don't know why the fucking where Buddy's like, if I give you five bucks, will you go outside? If I give you 10 bucks, will you go out in your car and wait in your car? And, and then, you know, she he's just answering and helping them study. And then he starts crying and he's just like, Kevin, there's something I have to tell you. <laughs> Terry watched a call in 60 minutes and ran out him. It's all in the letter. <laughs> he's fucking like, it slays me. Like, this Billy Jacoby in this is just so, like, he's so perfect. Billy Jane, I think he was going by then, but just fucking, like, it was slaying me. Oh, yeah. No, hilarious. We're gonna have to try to get him. We're gonna have to get. We're gonna have to reach out to him. See if we. Oh my god! Out. I would. I would. I would. Yeah, that would be a dream guest. Actually, is, is any of it uh, imp- like improved or or was it all written for him? Like, yeah. No, we're we're gonna we should do that. But uh, yeah. There's just so there's so much like funny back and forth of pretty much Terry like trying to conceal to Kevin that she isn't like posing as a male at the rival high school. Um, also, does no one else at Edwina Pearl realize they're just like, oh, Terry just isn't going to the school anymore? Yeah, she's gone. <laughs> she's, she's gone. It's yeah, I guess it's that's what's like. I don't know. That's what I don't even think about that. I just it's funny because we're talking about it now, like you start really thinking about that. But that's the fun, that's the funness of movies, like, and that's what kills me when people try to like nitpick movies like this. And it's just like, okay, well, you watch Marvel movies. What, what we want to really talk right, about right. Them here? Yeah, I mean, it's there's certain things that are, yeah. I mean, you it doesn't your disbelief entertainment. Exactly. Like, who cares? It probably, you know what? Somebody, if they're listening and they're questioning, they should go out and try that. If they're in high school, just leave your school, go to your other school, and pretend you're somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> but we get the. Uh, this is a killer prom. This culmination of the prom. Oh yeah. A killer band, which. These songs, this Hardway song is fucking, I can't find it anywhere. It's on no streaming service. I can find no digital or no digital or physical copy of it. Do we know the the band? So it's two dudes and they both had solo careers. But for some reason, the one Elvis Costello looking motherfucker and the other dude, I'm going to find it because I had it. So Jay Davis and Tony Brock. They both had respective solo careers, but this Hardway song is amazing that they open this prom to when everyone's dancing. It's a fucking amazing song. It seems like it'd just be a killer 80s track. I can find nothing on this song. I can't find it anywhere. That's interesting. That's even now. But like, did they write it for the film? Like, was it a favor because they were tight with you know Jeff Franklin or somebody? Nothing on IMDb either, huh? Yeah, I don't see anything about the score at all. Or the 
Yeah, that's crazy. But it's a uh, I've looked for. I mean the the Shalimar song, the just one of the guys song, just one of the guys. Yeah, like quintessential '80s like song. But you can't even find that on any streaming platforms. Hmm. It's really it, these songs. Like that's what kills me. Some of these songs are so fucking great. I mean, uh, I wish they they had vinyl releases like Private School did, where we got Phoebe Cates singing uh, singing the the title track uh, to Private School. I'm grateful I have a physical copy of that. But yeah, just killer songs. We got a, you know this band playing. It's an outdoor prom. Everyone's dressed to the nines. Obviously, it's an it's an outdoor gimmick. Um, and pretty much like Greg and Rick like start having it out. Um, you know, the culmination is Greg's elected prom king. Deborah, Rick's date, is elected prom queen, and she goes, you know, as the head of the prom committee, I think dancing with the king is stupid, so everybody dance. It pushes uh, Greg, Billy Zapka's character, over the top, grabs Rick and starts trying to beat the shit out of him, and Terry goes to, you know, pretty much jump on his back and and, uh, defend Rick, gets thrown in the water as Billy and Kevin both show up, uh, because, you know, pretty much Kevin told... uh, told buddy like listen you need to tell me you need to take me to where terry is right now we gotta solve this or whatever so they show up there and what's endearing about buddy is buddy's a pervert and everything but he loves his sister and immediately goes to defend her and jumps on greg Tolan's back and i don't know why it just killed me when he did the like karate shit before he jumped on his back um just yeah. classic <laughs> just classic shit and you know, Kevin's pretty much just like, you know, what the fuck's going on here? Who's this? Uh, Rick's you know, like, I'm just a friend. And Rick pretty much like writes it up like, oh, okay, Terry's gay. This is her boyfriend. Right. Um, Because, you know, they had told up to that point, Buddy had told Rick just, Buddy dropped in randomly. Remember when Buddy was like randomly came over to Sturgis Wilder for like lunch? He, yes, he did. Right? That's another thing. He just In the middle of the day, he just rolls up. <laughs> Like, I'll just cruise over to VVS for lunch, see what their McRib's like. Um, but yeah, it's uh so Rick thinks Terry's gay. Um, Terry then has to bring Rick in the back, and we get, I mean, I would probably argue one of the most iconic uh uh short create like uh short nude scenes where Terry flashes Rick to prove that I am a female. And Rick's obviously like more so taken back because he's been lied to and he thinks he's had a friend this entire time that is a, that is a, a male friend and then realizes yeah. that he was, you know, catfished for all intents and purposes and it's a female. Uh, so he feels lied to uh, and, you know, all said and done, she goes out, she runs out there and kisses Rick and Rick goes, it's okay, everybody. She has tits. So then everybody obviously knows and uh, obviously everybody was confused when that happened or they at least thought that Terry was, was gay. So, uh, but regardless, it it pretty much all gets uh, sorted out and Rick's hurt by it. But then Rick and Terry end up, you know, the movie, of course, in 80s fashion, uh, they see past the differences. Rick forgives Terry for lying and, and, and betraying his trust uh, thinking that she's a male and Terry, and all of her uh, great androgynous short-haired glory kisses Rick, and that's the end of the film. But it's such a, like I said, it's got deep uh, themes, deep undertones, but they keep it raunchy. 
Um, not too raunchy. It's not Porky's raunchy. Um, no, that's what I mean. Like raunchy comedy, I guess, is really like it's really not. It's an unfair way to. Uh, yeah, this is this isn't that raunchy. I mean, there's one nude scene that's like two and a half seconds long, and it's just top. It's not. Por- it's, it's not Porky's nude scene. <laughs> they had to do it. It's the '80s, and you pretty much if you didn't have a nude scene, you couldn't even make a movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. Pretty much, unless you were the Goonies and you had Spielberg <laughs> yeah. there, you weren't. They weren't green lighting shit. Yes, exactly. There's, exactly. there's pretty. You either needed a Goonies affiliation. You pretty much needed a Goonies affiliation. Yeah, I mean, if you're Spielberg, ET. I think there's three movies in all of the '80s <laughs> that didn't have things, and it was Lost Boys, obviously Goonie actors, and Richard Donner was a producer. The Goonies sure. and ET. Those are the only three films. Every other film has nudity in it. It's got it. Every single film. It's got it. <laughs> but um, yeah no this one is like i said it's it's really it's a it's a classic i mean that's really that's the way i put it there's if you look especially like 84 85 86 there's just some goddamn bangers uh in this you know the comedy, 80s yeah, it, comedy like, and and this is one of them for sure this holds up with in my opinion uh the you know some of the ones that people hold in such high regard i mean maybe doesn't have the drama maybe that some of the huge right. movies could have but um when it comes to, to to comedy and storytelling and even the acting it, it kind of it kind of hits it right on the head so yeah they go for like pretty in pink another movie that culminates in prom that one obviously you get some really like you know, the class layers of students and things in that and the same thing with maybe even some kind of wonderful, which is one of my personal favorites of all time. Another one, and that, and that, and I put one some kind of wonderful in this like kind of circle of, of yeah. films that are must sees that maybe don't get they kind of get their afterthoughts a little bit because of the big ones, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Brat Pack movies were just so were so big, and those outskirt ones like some kind of wonderful that doesn't have Molly. Or Emilio, or Andrew McCarthy, oh. in it, or Judd. Still some, still Leah, some pretty big actors. Though, oh, for sure. Leah, yeah. Leah Thompson, yeah, Stoll, maybe the greatest short-haired female of all time. I think it might have been my third or fourth crush ever. It was Mary Stewart Matherson, Matherson, and uh, and some kind of wonderful. But I digress. Joyce Heiser's on that list, actually. The short-haired actresses. There, yeah, technically she is right gotta for be. sure. Got to be. But this movie, Bruce, Bruce beat you to it, though. Oh yeah. Well, Bruce, Bruce had a lot more money, better looks. He pretty much is making me feel like a fucking goddamn worm in the dirt. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a fucking, it, it really is such a great movie. It's so easy to watch. It's so fun. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. It, I don't know. Like, I mean, all the shit with Buddy is great. Like, I thought the acting in it was all like fun, light. I didn't think anybody did a bad acting job. Um, I know people try to say like, oh, it's 80s, it's cheese, it's this, it's that, the content, this, that. I think this movie holds up extremely well. I think it's ahead of its time. You know, Disney ended up doing movies like this, you know, called Motocross was another uh, uh, another one. Well, I'm thinking of like movies where either a female or a male was portraying the other. Like, yeah, like we can Disney. even talk. I mean, the, I, it kind of sparks a lot. There's like, it, well, there's yeah. one of the Amanda Bynes from the 2000s, right? Where she plays a man, right? Wasn't that one? Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, I can't remember what. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. But um, obviously, you'd be crazy to think that this movie didn't have something to do with all those. You know, yeah, what I mean? this is the building blocks for movies like that. But as far as eighty quintessential quintessential eighties go, 
this is this is damn up there, even though it might not be as well known as Breakfast Club or Pretty in Pink or Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, Ferris Bueller's right. Day Off is fucking yeah. uh, I mean, huge. It, it was huge at the time. It's I mean, it's one of my favorites of all time. But I mean, these movies I, I feel I think have their audience. It's building even slowly as these years go on, the decades go on. This movie's so great. I agree. And I think um this is kind of why we're trying to bring the bring the spotlight to it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we both sure. love it. And and we feel like people, if they haven't seen it, should watch it. And uh, the people who have, we want to, you know, show them that we're together with them and thinking this movie's great. So, and you know, I think uh, I think there's you know there's podcasts I think where people end up talking about movies that they, I don't know, they may have issues with or or things like that due to them being in the '80s and maybe the content or things like that. But I can only the only thing I could say is like, remember what era it was. Remember that times have changed. Remember that probably 98% of the people that made that film understand that the times have changed and you wouldn't use certain things or you might tread topics differently, but this movie I think holds up extremely well. And I just, I love this movie. I think it's so fucking so fun. Such an easy percent. Yeah. hundred percent right there with you. So everything you said. Well, all right. Well, the next decision is what do we cover next? Do we cover prom night? Do we cover Carrie? Do we cover something a Brat Pack-esque movie like Pretty in Pink. There's a lot to unpack and something like that, too. Uh, who knows? Who knows? It's going to be a wild card. I'm not sure what we're going to cover. We're going to cover at least one more. Maybe we'll cover a couple more. We're also going to do a 40th anniversary episode of E.T. Um, not Eric Tyler. Not, not, me, Eddie, no. not Eddie Torres. The extraterrestrial E.T. Uh, as that's the 40th anniversary of that as well. And like I said, coming next month, we're going to do a legacy week on fast time. So it doesn't get much better than that. And check us out on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, uh, on Instagram at heart guide media on Twitter, at heart guide media uh, link in the bio host site anchor. You can pretty much find us wherever you're the streaming podcasts for the most part. Uh, yeah. Let us know you're listening. Let us know if you're a fan of just one of the guys. Uh, Cause this has been, this is a great one. This is so fun to cover. I love this film. Yeah, 100%. Watch. Let us know how you, what you think. We'd love to hear from everyone. Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, we will uh, We'll see you soon. We'll see you on another episode of the Sight and Sound podcast. And thanks for stopping by, listening, checking it out. Go watch Just One of the Guys because it's a goddamn classic. 1985 classic, Just One of the Guys. Uh, yeah, we could probably do another 45 minutes on this. That's how much I love it. But go listen to this. Watch the movie if you haven't. Enjoy it. This has been the Sight and Sound Podcast.